Welcome to On a Mission, where our mission is to discuss sports, politics, or anything else on our mind. My name is Andrew, and my friends join me today, Brandon and Clayton, and we have an exciting show for you today. We have an exciting show today, a jam-packed show. We're going to do some fact check. We're going to talk some college football. We'll dab into the NFL just a bit. Then we will talk some election predictions, election talk. So I think we're going to have an exciting show. How's the week been? been a week man no about you guys but you know regardless of where you're at like everyone seems very much on edge about a lot of things in life but but definitely the pandemic and definitely the election yeah i'm about yeah. ready to get this thing over with you know let yeah. the voters decide we had a culture meeting at work and they asked you like to do a one word summary of how you're feeling right now and everyone's <laughs> like anxious stressed anxious overwhelmed yeah pretty much <laughs> like it can't be put into one word can i have like 12 <laughs> no i'm just kidding so yeah, yeah, there's you know, a couple the, people like we're happy but most people angry. I, in my job it's like everybody has said call me after the election i'm in sales or well we're not doing anything this year so call me next year and i'm like you know so it's just it's a weird time we did a little small halloween <laughs> gathering just a couple of family members over and the kids did go and try and go trick or treating. It was mixed results, but seemed to have fun. People were out, most people were outside just handing out candy. So good yeah, Halloween kids. went well. We uh, people are sick of the pandemic down here because I think everybody was trick or treating yesterday. I mean, there was tons of people out. So my neighborhood, we have like a, my neighborhood and then a neighborhood across the street, and ours was pretty much dead. There's like eight houses <laughs> that oh. were doing anything, and then they went across the street though, and there was a lot more people. So no, it's all good. Do they so trick or treat at New York City? How does that work? <laughs> How does that work in New York City? It's really quite interesting. Obviously, like more so, I don't know about you guys, but like when we used to do trunk or treat, you guys do trunk or treat in your boards, like under normal circumstances? Yeah, yeah. 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 Like at least for me growing up and wherever I was in my wards growing up, like parents showed up, they weren't dressed up. Right. Like parents showed up in normal yeah. clothes. The kids had their outfits. You ran around, got your candy from everybody's car. We shut it down and go home. But here in New York, like it is a family affair. And it's probably because when you look at most households, like you got a parent group, right? And parents, and they usually have anywhere between like maybe one to three kids tops. And so it is very much a family themed outfit. And I don't know if that's just like indicative of the times because I see a lot of people that do like family themed outfits. I just, for me growing up, we never had that. So trick or treating out here, you can do it in some, of well, you can do it anywhere. But like most, I have, I've only lived in two different places in New York City the whole time I've been here. And I've never had trick or treaters come to my apartment, right? Because I live up on like the fifth floor. <laughs> Like, you just don't do that. So more often than not, like the restaurants and the bodegas usually have candy. And so you go to the restaurants, you go to the bodegas and the people working there hand out candy. But there's also like within certain buildings, especially if there's a lot of like families in a building, they'll usually do trick or treating within the apartment building. But yeah, trick or treating, like if you were to come and like, I want to trick or treat in New York City, you would probably be walking around to restaurants and bodegas to get candy from those people. Fact check, we've got quite a bit. So so many. So Clayton said in 2017, the Astros were much better on the road. 
I don't know if I'd say much better, but they were better. So home record was 47 and 31. They won, or that was a 53% winning of their games. Their away record was 65%, but it's only like a six plus win margin difference, but they did mm-hmm. lose three games. So, but they were better on the road for sure. So if they were stealing signs at home and they weren't on the road, then what does that tell you? It doesn't make a difference. It's a plausible argument, my friend. I, I, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. So, um, but you were correct, sir. You were correct. Next one. Clayton said Syracuse is the best football team in New York. And we kind of elaborate like, well, what college football teams are there in New York? Well, there are 12 Division I football teams in New York. The major, I said these are the major ones, but Syracuse, <laughs> Army, University of Buffalo, Colgate, and Columbia. There are some others, but those are the ones you probably Who could forget the University of Buffalo. My goodness. They used you know, to be as, good. They used to as be good. big of fans as they really? are, like I feel like there's they have two professional football teams. They have in three, New York, but they just don't care about college or something. They have three. They have three football teams. Oh, three, yeah, right? Bills, yeah, Buffalo, sorry, the Jets, the Bills. and the Giants. Yeah, the Bills. The, the Jets yeah, it's like why can't they have any college football that's any good? I don't know. Yeah, I mean the Northeast is just like that. I, I mean football's a thing out here, but especially like for us, you know, coming from Texas and Andrew in Florida, like football reigns supreme in our States. Right. That may not be as true as you get to the larger, more populous school districts, you know, the large schools, every sport's a big deal at those schools, but up here in the North, like baseball, lacrosse, basketball, rowing, basketball. Yes. But like, yeah, the big, I would say the big sports up here are definitely soccer, baseball, and lacrosse. Well, Syracuse, has been a powerhouse basketball program in the past. I don't know if they've right. been good lately, but well, right. Well, yeah. Sorry. And if we're talking about, I, I'm talking at the high school level, but yeah, it, at the college level, I would say basketball is probably the big deal. Is Syracuse close to New York City, or is it like way no, far away? No, it's way up, way up. Okay, state. I was just curious. I've never been to Syracuse. Sorry, tangent. There you go. Well, that's cool. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? So, <laughs> 12 D1 schools in the state of New York. I'm so excited. I guess Army would be better than Syracuse, but I guess that's arguable. Yeah. Well, I would well, that say Army is probably if the best guys, team. If you guys ever want to see, I mean, just going up to West Point, that's just up the Hudson River. And really, like, just getting on a train and going up the Hudson River from New York City, like, there's so many beautiful things, especially if you come in the fall. Great foliage and stuff, like fall colors and stuff. But West Point is quite a sight, man. It's a beautiful place. It's on my bucket list many things so brandon you talked about uh we were talking about auburn tigers lsu tigers and we mentioned war eagle and we're like oh no it's tigers but i was kind of curious where war eagle comes from so auburn website has a little brief little synopsis here so let's go ahead and read that it says war eagle is auburn's battle cry not a mascot or nickname the phrase has a long history and deep significance among the auburn family e.g. students, alumni, fans, etc., who use it to who use it to greet and identify with each other all over the world. The most popular legend about the battle cry dates back to the first time Auburn met Georgia on the football field in 1892 and centers on a spectator who was a Civil War veteran. In the stands with him that day was an eagle the old soldier had found on a battlefield during the war. He kept it as a pet for almost 30 years. According to witnesses, the eagle suddenly broke free and began majestically circling the playing field. And as the eagle soared, Auburn began a steady march toward the Georgia end zone for a thrilling victory. Elated at their team's play and taking the bird's presence as an omen of success, Auburn students and fans began to yell, War Eagle, to spur on their team. 
At the game's end, the eagle took a sudden dive, crashed into the ground, and died. But the war, <laughs> but to the war eagle battle cry lived on to become a symbol of the proud Auburn spirit. Whenever Auburn people gather, the battle cry "War Eagle" is almost certainly be heard. It is part of Auburn's spirit for more than a hundred years. I did not know that he nosedived and died. I knew that there was a there was a general in the war and all that, but I didn't know that part. That's hilarious. Wow, that is the history of War Eagle. I had, uh... I have been to Auburn. I went to an A&M Auburn football game, but five years ago, maybe. And they were, I mean, nice, nice people, really welcoming. The campus is beautiful. I mean, I haven't been to Tuscaloosa yet, but I'm like, man, why would anybody go to Alabama? Auburn is just beautiful, but I'm sure Alabama's nice too. But it's a fun time. Go, going on road games is fun. Clay, and we talked about children separate at the border. We kind of hypothesized, I think actually Brandon kind of went into a little bit more, but about different reasons of the parents of the 500 plus children that were separated at the border. So NPR did a pretty nice article. Um, and I think it was pretty fair. They basically said there's, there isn't one singular reason. Like it's not, nobody can find their parents. And it's also not like they're all taken over by coyotes. It's a large, broad range of problems the major like the most common mess yeah the most common problems yeah. are uh like brandon had mentioned you know they they weren't from mexico they're from guatemala a lot of them are actually from guatemala and so in guatemala a lot of these people live in the mountains and they don't have an address it's not like you can just go to their house and be like knock knock your right. kids are in america or if you do not even know where they live, if you find out where they live, they don't want to talk to you because they think you're going to arrest them or you're part of the government that they're trying to run away from. And then there's there are parents that's like, especially this is more common in the older children. They said like when you're 12 or 13, the parents are like, leave them there because they'll do better there than they will here with us. So there is, there's a broad spectrum of different reasons for why the kids are there. So, but those were the most common reasons that were mentioned in the article. Is Guatemala a really unstable country? There's a lot of violence there, I believe. I don't know. I'm not sure about the government stability, but there's a, lot of, there's a lot of violence, like kidnappings and such in Guatemala. Well, that's um, cool. I'll have to read that article. I haven't, I didn't read it yet, but I'll read it and be more educated. It's not, I mean, it, it doesn't, certainly it's not uh, defending the policy by any stretch, but it just, it helps give you a little bit more perspective for sure. Good for me. So Brandon, I, I wasn't clear what Brandon was saying. So I kind of put both things in here. So he had said, we talked about Ben Sass speaking out um, against President Trump. And Brandon, I, I didn't understand what you were saying with the sentence. So if you didn't say this, I'm sorry. If you did, you did. So um, you were saying that he was speaking out as a lot of senators are because they're in tight races. Well, Ben Sass is not in a tight race. So he's actually very comfortably uh, ahead in Nebraska. He's one of the few Republicans that are doing very well. He's one of the few and, that has fought against Trump. And that was the next point. Yes, he has a yeah. long history of um, back. The article I posted with the fact check was one from 2016 where oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he, uh, he had a pretty scathing review. He said in um, 2016 he wasn't going to vote for Trump? Was yeah, that for the 2016 for election? Correct. Correct. Yes. I wonder if that's still the case today. He said, quote, a president candidate who boasts about what he'll do during his reign and refuses to condemn the KKK cannot lead a conservative movement in America. Mm. That was one of his things. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like, besides yeah. Romney, he's been the most outspoken, I think. I can't think of anybody else that has been. 
Yeah, he's been he's pretty now. I mean, he's very supportive of Amy Coney Barrett, for example. But him and Trump and him and Trump, I, I wasn't in this article. I didn't no. look this one, but and like there's one where he kind of made up with Trump after that. But now he's kind of back to being angry at him again. So, yeah. um, so he's kind of went back and forth. You know, he's, he's like Romney, right? Like Romney, Romney comes out and says, like, no, the president's wrong to do that, or like, oh my gosh, President Trump, like, how dare you say something that terrible? And people are just like, oh, you're a rhino, right? And then he comes out and says, you know, no, I'm going to support Amy Coney Barrett's uh, uh, confirmation. I think it's the right thing to do. I think she's perfectly qualified. You know, blah blah blah. Oh, thank you, Senator Romney, for being a good man. It's just like. No, that's good to hear. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, and I don't know if it's been Sass particularly. I honestly can't remember what we were specifically saying or in that, but like, it is true that there are. Oh, very much so. Yeah, like John Cornyn in Texas has been, you know, I don't know that he's been like foaming at the mouth like MAGA Trump supporter, but I think he's never up until recently started to kind of. They, they're as as it's always put in the articles they're they're distancing themselves from trump you know the one that is just the craziest one and i i just can't wrap my head around that is is lindsey graham <laughs> he used to be like john mccain's best friend and well let's let's say let's say the lindsey graham we're gonna talk about lindsey graham oh, okay we're sorry we're gonna we're gonna, right. we're gonna address some of these, yeah, these characters. so i our next fact check is the iran deal this is actually a i thought it was pretty interesting i did not read the whole thing it's a 75 page breakdown though of oh, the iran on, nuclear deal. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got the editor is a guy named samore who actually worked with president obama and uh president clinton on foreign matters and it's got a whole list of contributors but there's two points i want to uh, pull out because we basically the reasons on our fact check was we asked like we want some more information to kind of tease out the iran a little bit so let me pull this up here it says there's they asked there's questions like a frequently asked questions section so it says one question was was the iran actually let me rephrase here is the framework nuclear is the framework nuclear agreement with Iran a good deal? And it answers it in the pro sense and in the con sense. So the pro sense, yes, it will reduce the risk of Iran getting a bomb better than any other realistic alternatives. Iran has agreed to physical limits on its ability to produce weapons grade materials that will assure a breakout timeline of roughly like, of roughly a year for the next 10 years, as well as additional restraints and verification measures to monitor compliance and detect cheating. If the U.S. rejects the deal and returns to sanctions, Iran is certain to return to what it was doing before in the interim agreement, installing additional centrifuges, enriching uranium, increasing its stockpile of enriched material, developing more advanced centrifuges, and completing the arc heavy water reactor. The agreement does not solve the problem, but it does reduce the, frac- the risk for now and by substantial time to resolve the threat in the future. The con for that answer is no, the parameters do not prevent Iran from getting nuclear weapons over the long term. Iran is allowed to retain too much nuclear infrastructure and the restrictions do not last long enough. The limits on Iran's enrichment program taper off after 10 years and are completely removed after 15 years. It is unacceptable unacceptable for Iran to have a large-scale enrichment program now. Why would it be permissible a decade or so from now? How could the U.S. have any confidence that the nature of the Iranian regime and its interest in acquiring nuclear weapons, which goes back 30 years, will change its mind in 10 years? In addition, the verification provisions are not, str- are not strong enough, especially provisions requiring Iran to fully account for past weaponized activities. So there are, 
the basically from what I read and this little thing is there are a lot of problems. It slows the process of Iran getting a nuclear weapon, but it is not a long-term not a solution. Yeah. It's not, it, it's very much a stopgap. So I can understand criticisms of it because why are we going to do what we did if it's not going to really fix the problem? So right. it's, it's, it's a complex situation. And then the other one, the other question was if this deal is not a good deal, why not walk away and ratchet up sanctions to compel Iran to accept a better deal? The pro framework answer is the agreement involves a gamble, but walking away at this point would be a much bigger gamble. With the other five P5 plus one countries supporting the political framework, the U.S. would be hard pressed to convince others to return to intensified sanctions. Even if the U.S. could get others on board, there is no certainty that Washington can, can increase economic pressure on the Supreme Leader uh, Kamani and the hardliners in Iran to point that they are forced to come back to the table and accept terms. In the meantime, Tehran will resume nuclear activities currently frozen under the interim agreement and probably expand its program. Iran could bring additional centrifuges, basically the same thing. Um, and then it says, uh, most concerning Iran could rebuild a stockpile of 20% enriched uranium, even begin production 60 or 90% under the pretext of peaceful uses. These steps would bring Iran much closer to a credible breakout option, increase the risk of a preemptive military attack by Israel or the United States. And then the calm framework answer is rather than this accept this bad deal, the U.S. should press for a better deal. Americans should insist on deeper reductions in Iran's existing nuclear capabilities, a longer duration, and more intrusive inspections. If Iran rejects these demands, the U.S. should rally international support to intensify national sanctions on Iran. Given low oil prices and a weak market, Washington is in a strong position to reduce Iran's oil exports and coerce Tehran to accept more favorable terms for a deal. It may take time for additional sanctions to work, but it's better than accepting a deal that gives away too much. So there's a lot more in this. Like I said, it's a 75 PDF document. If you are interested, it's got a ton of information and it's pretty, just like that, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty balanced. Girl. So yeah. um, it's really good. And it was done by Harvard, a uh, group of Harvard people. So Harvard. it's got some credibility there. So I still don't know where I stand. <laughs> i think i think it it's good. i think it tried i don't think it's perfect though so you have a it's the same thing why like we asked i asked in the last week in the podcast why do we let mubarak in egypt rule for so long when he's doing all these human rights trafficking that or you know, human rights violations because he kept things stable so they try this deal you know and it's easy to say let's be hard on iran you know let's let's be tough on them but at the same time like it's, it's a risk analysis. And the, and the Obama administration at that point felt it was less of a risk. Obviously, Trump's administration felt different. There's plenty to criticize, but you, at the end of the day, the, what is the goal? And I think the problem with the Obama administration when they played it was this is going to stop Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. No, it's not. Definitely not going to yeah. do that. It's just going to slow it down so yeah. we can come up with a better solution. That's really what it, what it was doing. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, as you say, slowing it down so we can come up with a better solutions that this was meant to be a like pre, not well, a preliminary that's, that's agreement, my, but like, hey, that's, I guess that's let's, my opinion. But... Yeah, we, we at least agree on this much of the circle. Yeah. Let's let's agree on that, shake hands, and then we'll come in and shrink that circle down to this stuff and agree to that. I'm sure that's what they were trying to think, yeah. think of doing, you know, because it bought you 10 years before things got, yeah, you know, sticky. Um. So yeah, so that's that. Um, so I did go back and clarify because in my last article or last discussion, 
I did not know all the peace agreements that had been signed recently. So the Washington Post article pointed out the three that had been done, which were, these were between Israel and uh, Middle Eastern countries, which include the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Bahrain and the Sudan. Uh, the Washington Post article, Washington Post article, excuse me, points out that United Emirates and Bahrain have not been uh, aggressors with Israel. So that's why they kind of maybe not look at it as severely, but Sudan has actually attacked Israel in the past. That was a pretty significant one. Um, the article also point out that there's one that got left out. Um, you know, the Trump administration point out these ones, but the one that's actually probably the most important, and it wasn't necessarily a peace deal, but it was just an agreement uh, between Israel and Lebanon. They actually resolved their maritime uh, boundary issue over the Mediterranean Sea. And that's the first time that's been done in uh where is it at here? But a very long time. Um, they've held this. They've held this position after years and years of painstaking U.S. diplomacy. Uh, the State Department was helped broker that diplomatic success. So there are there were things uh, you can count them for what they are, how important they are. But right. the facts are those were the things that were actually done. Next, um, the embassy moved to Jerusalem. I actually learned something about this because I hear that all the time. Trump moved it to and and. And uh, other people did that. So here's the history behind it. So Bill Clinton and George W. Bush both promised during their presidential campaigns to move the embassy to Jerusalem. Both later backed away from those promises convinced by Middle East experts that doing so would prejudge uh, negotiations for a final settlement between Israelis and Palestines. Here's the fun part. In 1995, Congress passed a law declaring Jerusalem to be Israel's capital and requiring the embassy to be moved there by 1999, or else the State Department building budget would be cut in half. But the law included a provision allowing presidents to waive its requirement for six months if they determined it was in the, na in the national interest. So every six months, Mr. Clinton, Mr. Bush, and eventually President Obama signed such waivers, fearing a violent response in, era, in the Arab world if the embassy was moved. So oh, for, since 1999, every six months, a president has signed a waiver to, move, not, to not move the uh, um the embassy. I found that was pretty now, interesting. Now I'm starting to think that maybe at some point that paper kept up coming up on Trump's desk. He's like, the heck is this? I don't want to sign it. Nah, move it to Jerusalem. I'm done playing around with this paper. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so he did move So it. Brandon, this was a fun one. I actually learned something in this too. So you had said last week that uh, the U.S. does not pay more than 22% for NATO. It is a, that is a partial truth. Um, I love partial truths. So here we go. They do pay uh, 22%, but there's two budgets we're talking about. There's two budgets that are talked about. So there's mm -hmm. a running cost budget, which that's the one that they do not pay 22% for. Or they do pay 22% for, excuse me. They don't actually, let me back up. They do not pay more than 22%. Thank you, I can talk. Um, there's also a defense budget and the US spends 70% of the, of the defense budget. However, we also have the most military over the world, so we have to take that into consideration. Uh, we have the most military commitments, and not just in Europe. We have them in uh, Japan, uh, South Korea, Korea, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, so in terms can of group... Can I just make sure, two, two points of clarification. Yes. So 22% of the overall budget. So within that 22, or so this overall budget includes... They're separate budgets. They're separate. There's oh, there's separate budgets. Okay, yes, so we're, we're a, not talking about like, okay, yeah, we pay for 22% of all things NATO, but if you were to just take all things NATO 
and put it into just the military stuff. We pay for 70% of that. There's a defense budget and there's a running cost budget is how I understand this article to read mm. from BBC. Okay, good to know. All right. And the, and the defense budget obviously does defense stuff. And then NATO's running costs are met by a funding arrangement based on each country's national income. That covers civilian staff and administrative costs, joint operations, radar systems, training, and then defense communication systems, steel supplies. Some That's what that the running like costs. defense spending though. The civilian, there's a, like, so I guess there's a civilian budget and a military budget. So that's the civilian budget, I guess. That's how this reads out. So I'll go back, I'll I'll go back and read that stuff. It's just interesting. I feel like the the Jerusalem capital thing was such a nothing burger. Like everybody was saying, oh, it's going to destabilize this. It's going to be bad. Nothing really happened as far as I know, at least in the American media. So this one's a shame on me. So Trump, uh, we were talking about the March shutdowns and I should have known better. I, I feel really stupid as I, as I researched it. But so it is correct. Like, where's my little article here? This is from Reuters and Trump had no authority to either shut down the country or open the country. As we all know, the U.S. is a, is a federal, you know, we're a federalist uh system which means power is shared between the national and state governments and under the 10th amendment of the u.s constitution states governments have the power to police and regulate public welfare um in the country's early years it was up to state and local authorities to be response such as to the yellow fever epidemic not the federal government now i will say that federal government and states try to work together <laughs> on those issues when you have a national thing but at I the end of the so. day at the end of the day, you want to have the states have the power to affect states. And so the guidelines that we're referring to about social distancing, stay at home, wash your hands, all the things that Mike Pence got up and said, let's slow the spread. We need to do this for the next 14 days. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was all technically recommendation that most of the governors supported because they agreed with it, you know, at that time, because we didn't know what was going on. So it may have come across as he was doing that, but technically by letter of the law, it was the governor's doing that. So our governor and county judge keep fighting with each other. The governor says we can reopen, but the but the county judge, which is like I guess our if you could call it a mayor, uh, the county judge is pretty much in charge of and she says, No, you can't reopen certain things. So it's just kind of funny. It's just a stupid little fight, political board, fight. Yeah, arm wrestling. Martin Scarelli or Scarelli, whatever his dumb yeah, name Scarelli. is. That guy, that guy's a douchebag. So, yeah, um, he is. so I didn't know the story, so I looked it up. The drug was called. This was a brand was alluding to him a little bit. He was a guy that bought a. I, remember, I don't remember the name of the company, but bought a, a pharmaceutical company. And the drug that, that was under that pharmaceutical was called Daraprim. It was used for pregnant women in H- HIV patients. The cost of the drug was $13.50 when he purchased the company. And then he raised the, the price to $7.50 for the drug. Um, and so, yeah, and there was nothing they could really do. There's no law to prevent that. There was public outcry, obviously, but nothing really that could be done. The only good silver lining is that he went to jail for unrelated, not for that, but for unrelated, as you've mentioned, Brandon, like hedge fund finance stuff. 
and then finally, finally moved money from his largely successful pharma company into his hedge fund that was losing money. <laughs> I think uh, it was very clear that the government was pissed off at him. Like I, they knew they couldn't get around him, so I think they were definitely looking for other things to get after him, which they should have. Yeah. He's a jerk. Um, but in Feb good news, in February of 2020, the FDA did approve a generic version of said drug. So that will help people actually get the drug now at a more affordable price. So That's screw good. that guy. Um, and then the GOP investigation, you guys mentioned that. So just kind of confirm that. The GOP re released the report on Hunter Biden and said that at times the, uh, let me just quote it here. He was on the board of, um, Burisma. Burisma. It was awkward and at times problematic for the U.S. officials dealing with the country, but provides no new evidence and found no instance of policy being altered as a result of his role. And then, quote, the extent to which Hunter Biden's role in Burisma's war affected U.S. policy toward Ukraine is not clear, the report finds. So it doesn't really say much of anything. And then the only thing I did find interesting, I heard this before, is a Wall Street Journal article that quotes this is that the report, and I, I, this isn't a report, but I also have heard this from other sources, that at the time when Joe was working on Ukraine, the Obama administration was concerned that he was working on Ukraine with Hunter being there because it could have presented as a conflict of interest. Right. That's all, basically all that is, which, I mean, that kind of makes sense. I mean, Right, I mean, it's totally clear as to why people would think that, why anyone would conclude there's a potential conflict of interest there yeah so that was the concern that they raised so there's some things that i just don't get into i don't research but i probably should one of them is you know when all this barisma thing was going on mitt romney was on the committee in the senate with uh, ron johnson the wisconsin republican anyways and ron johnson wanted to investigate this and Mitt Romney said, well, this appears just to be pure political theater. There's, this isn't a legitimate investigation. And so then a lot of Trump people, a lot of MAGA heads uh, said, well, that's because Romney has uh, shady interests in Ukraine and he has Burisma contacts as well. And I didn't know if that was ever true or not, or if anybody had ever heard anything like that, but basically they were saying that Romney's trying to turn away the investigation of Hunter Biden because there's something shady that Romney or, or something. <laughs> I hadn't heard that, I'll be honest. Um, I mean, I think I follow too many, too many Trump supporters on Facebook. <laughs> Here's what would be, I mean, does does Mitt Romney have professional acquaintances or relationships, associationships with people in Ukraine, uh, specifically at their largest oil company, Burisma? I have no doubt that that's possible. In fact, it's probable. And that's because he spent the early part of his career as a consultant at Bain & Company, which may or may not have been operating internationally the time that he was there, but certainly when he came back after the Olympics and helped turn Bain around, Bain was operating, no doubt, in Ukraine at that time. He also went off and started Bain Capital, one of the largest and successful uh, private equity firms in, in the world right now. So, so he probably knows everybody is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm not saying that he knows everybody, that, but it's not beyond 
the imagination for me to think that he might know and have connections to people in the largest oil company in Ukraine. But that that's what it's does that prove, right? Like, what, what does that mean? I don't yeah. think it means anything. I was just seeing if anybody, if either of y'all knew any more. No, unfortunately, no. All right. Last but not least, so Brandon had said that the the posts that we were talking about, like with um, Brandon, you had said like the New York Post actually said it didn't meet their standards or what have you. It wasn't the actual post. It was workers at the post that had made that claim. Ah, gotcha. Um, now, so this, this article is from the New York Times reporting about it. I kind of feel like the Times has a, uh, a conflict of interest to talk about the post. <laughs> it's such a positive. Like they are, I mean, they're competitors. They, I mean, they're competitors. They are. I mean, I don't know how good competitors they are, but they're, they are competitors. So I think it's funny the Times I mean, is writing about New the York, post. New but... York Post is a competitor to the New York Times, like like the yeah, I get are competitors to the Yankees. Like, sure, they're both in the press business. Yeah, yeah, Come on, Alexander Hamilton started the New York Post. The Wall Street Journal, the the Wall Street Journal is history. New York Times competitor. The Post yeah. is damn near tabloid material. So, yeah. So anyway, there was a couple of people that questioned, that said it wasn't true. Or they said, well, actually, there was, there was two people that said the reporter didn't want to use his byline because they were worried... So, because the reporter was worried about it being accurate, there's a couple other people said they were worried that they hadn't done enough working on it to prove its authenticity. But I mean, it's been out there long enough. I haven't heard anything else more about that. But that's what the scoop was about. So there you go. So that's the fact check. Let's jump to college football. Um, I and want to talk about this. It's, you got a good week, Brandon. We'll talk. We'll talk. So coming into the week, uh, me and Brandon were both tied at 22 games apiece. Clayton, you were, had a lead of three at 25. I'm going to go through some of these kind of quick, and you can stop me if you guys want to say something. Cincinnati destroyed Memphis 49 to 10. We all picked Cincinnati. Uh, BYU uh, is now number 11, uh, or I was, I guess, 11 at the time. They beat Western Kentucky uh, 41 to 10. We all picked BYU. OU uh, beat Texas Tech um, 62 to 28. They had 49 points in the first half. Game wasn't close. We all picked OU. Clayton, you may want to talk about this one just a little bit because it's your team, but the Aggies did go ahead and beat uh, Arkansas 42-31. Just your thoughts about the game? Yeah, um, I watched it. Um, <clears throat> it really wasn't as close as the score would indicate. Um, AM went up, was up 42 17 at the start of the fourth quarter, I believe, and let Arkansas score a couple touchdowns. And, but the game was kind of already put away. Um, Even blowing people out. So that doesn't surprise me. I feel like that was a pretty good win by AM. But the Arkansas people have been talking about them. I don't think they're anything too special, but. They're better than they have been, which is really bad. Kellen Mond, the quarterback at AM, looked really solid. The offensive line gave him plenty of time, and uh, the offense was was pretty awesome. I mean, uh, defense kind of let let down at the end of the game, but overall, it was a great game. Here's here's here, since we're on the topic of the Aggies here, so the Aggies only play one more ranked team. They're they're f- uh, four and one, right? Yeah, four. 
So they're four and one, and they only play one more ranked team, and that's Auburn, who just was recently re-ranked at the last game of the season. A&M is now number eight in the polls, or number seven. They're number seven. Number seven. Looking at the college football playoff implications, let's just say A&M wins out. I mean, I'm just going to give it to them right now, you know. Kid A&M sneak into the playoff. Well, Notre Dame plays Clemson, and they're probably going to have to play them twice, and they're probably going to lose twice. I'm just going to say that, even though Trevor Lawrence is out this week. Then you have Ohio State. So Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, I'm, I'm calling them as locks right now, but that fourth spot is up for grabs, and I think Oklahoma State lost, so they're out. Um, I think you lose to unranked Texas. No offense, but I don't think you deserve to be. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you lose. No, 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 no. Texas is ranked number 22. Now they're ranked, but not when they play Oklahoma State. They were not ranked at the time of the game. I'm just saying if you lose to an unranked team at the time, you don't deserve to go to the playoff. So A&M is obviously losses to Alabama and Alabama being pretty good but so Georgia is ahead of A&M and Notre Dame is ahead of A&M those are both going to lose and then you have damn Cincinnati if Cincinnati goes into the playoff over Texas A&M say A&M wins out and I know I'm assuming a lot but if A&M wins out and freaking Cincinnati goes I'm gonna have it on this podcast so Cincinnati is on my hate list them and BYU I'm rooting against them hardcore because if BYU sneaks in somehow over a and I'm going to be angry. So y'all are going to have to calm me down. We'll see how the Pac-12 plays into this. That's true. There's the Pac-12. But I just, I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. They don't play football over there. <laughs> Indiana versus Rutgers. Brandon, this was your sore spot. Me and Clayton both picked Indiana. Uh, Indiana did win 37-21 over. Last time I ever played of faith in a northeastern football team this is why we can't have nice things in the northeast none of our football teams are worth anything so brandon we go from our lows to our highs texas versus oklahoma state take it away take it away look i personally didn't have a chance to watch the game i was watching the the box score though because i remembered very vividly this conversation and I wanted to go for OSU but because you both said Texas I figured I could go along with my team and I'm glad I did but let's be honest this game wasn't close uh Texas uh Texas was able to turn things around and and get the win I agree it was a fun game to watch yeah I guess what's that head coach's name in, in Oklahoma State Mike Gundy yeah, I guess Gundy's mullet is bad luck for him. He needs to cut that thing. You know, the funny thing, I watched most of that game, and Oklahoma State, I believe, was the better football team, but they turned it over like four times. No, you're absolutely right. That's what I'm saying. When I was looking at box score stuff, I was checking the app, and I was like, oh, man. Well, at least like all Oklahoma of State Texas. looks better, but they just had too many turnovers. If you turn the ball over, it doesn't matter if you're better or not. You're going to lose. And yeah, I, look at the Cowboys. I don't think Texas turned the ball over. I could be wrong. But anyways, Oklahoma State had way more turnovers. Now we go from a low to a high to a low. For slow uh, for some of us. Auburn, me, me and Clayton, or me and Brandon both picked uh, 
LSU. Go Tigers. Clayton, you picked Auburn, more ego, and uh, Auburn won 48 to 11. It was ugly. I didn't see that coming, guys. That was bad for Coach O, man. That's rough. That was nasty. So, and then the nightcap goes from so some of you may experience this as a low, some of us may experience this as a high. But Ohio State was able to defeat Penn State 38 25, but we all picked Ohio State. So, yeah. So at the end of this week, uh, I have 29 uh, games. Brandon, you have 28. And Clayton extended his lead to 33 games. I'm going to have to start making some haymakers here, man. I'm going to have to go for broke. I'm just going to go opposite everything you guys say and hope that it works. So we, we have some good games though this week. But before we jump into those, uh, just some other notable games that I noted. Uh, Michigan loses to Michigan State. Michigan oh, yeah, State, Mel Tucker was the second coach to ever beat uh, Michigan on their first attempt, the other coach being Nick Saban. And Clemson had a big scare without Trevor Lawrence, but was able to overcome and beat Boston College. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a couple picks. So let's start, though. This is a good one. Number nine, BYU versus number 21, Boise State. It is at Boise. If that matters. I, I, point of order. Is this the first-ranked team BYU is playing? I think Houston was I ranked think- at the time they played. So this will be the second. I mean, here's the thing. Boise State, Utah State, some of these, you know, neighboring schools have been able to get BYU's number over the years. BYU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I, uh, I'm i going to say Boise State. I've Boise. been supporting BYU all season, and I shouldn't be out of principle. I know Andrew's picking BYU. You're, you're a BYU apologist. Who, me? You are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> How am I a BYU apologist? You're always <laughs> defending him. <laughs> I am not. Yeah, I you are. No, see, oh, Ty Detmer, to... the greatest offensive mind. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is definitely falsehoods. I've never said that on this podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to look at the right news sources. You'll find see, the I, facts. See, Brent, I figured out Clayton. I always pick him last. So he's going to go first a couple times. This, 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 this oh, wait, yeah. here's, here's my frustration. Okay, yeah, let me make, make, let me what? make something Y'all clear are here. trying to say the picks are rigged? No, I'm just saying you you have, you, you, you. No, they're definitely man. rigged. They're definitely <laughs> rigged. Somebody's going in there and changing things. I don't think Clayton's that smart. Hey, here's my problem, though. I'm, I'm putting on Boise State. So they've played Utah State and Air Force. Yeah, they beat they beat Utah State forty two to thirteen, and then they beat Air Force forty nine to thirty. I'm going with the blue turf, babe. I'm going with the blue turf. I'm going yeah. to the Broncos. I can't have BYU getting in the playoffs over my Aggies if we went out, which I'm already basically calling because I'm I'm a fan, and that's what fans do, right? I'm gonna go with Boise. So I heard uh, Jesse Palmer and Joe Galloway talking about BYU, how uh, Wilson for BYU is going to be climbing up the chain on the draft board, Tom McShay's draft board. I'm going with Boise State. I think, I think, all right. I think, I think, uh, I think BYU has been reading too much of their press clippings. And I think, uh, I think all this three might of us be the are week. Against the, the Kooks? All I three of us. I want to make sure I would, I, I led us in this bold move. All right. You did. You I did. was the brave one. So, Ooh, next next on the list, <laughs> I'm going to go with my Knowles. I'm going to be a homer and go with the Knowles. I'm going to go no with clue. the Knowles, too. 
I have no clue. If so, Pitt were yanked or ranked, not yanked. I will. Uh, I will say the only thing I do know is likely Pittsburgh starting quarterback will be back for this game, and uh, Pittsburgh has a pretty good defensive line, and off and offense. FSU offensive line is not good, so I'll give you that that caveat. But FSU is coming off a bye week as well. Have two weeks to think about Louisville, and that's what I'm thinking on is that they're going to come out with some pride and claims being calculus. Like, do I do I try to expand my lead? I can't, do I try to- I want- I can't pull the trigger on the Knowles, man. Oh. I want to just because for Andrew, but I just can't. I'm going to go with Clayton. Who are you paying? Who's fixing these games for you? (laughs) I'm only up by what, three or something? He's he's in that ventilation money. He's in that ventilation money, man. He's he's paying all sorts of people off with those big ass coupons. After the podcast, I'll tell you what I'm. Tell you my week and what I'm getting into. See if y'all are going to judge me. Okay. So here, here, here we go. Michigan, number 23, Michigan versus number th- 13, Indiana. Clayton, you were up first, my friend. Wait, was I the only one that picked Pitt? You were the yeah. only one to pick Pitt. Yes. May it be to your downfall. Oh, man. Indiana's a top 15 team? They are. They've, they've beaten Rutgers and they've beaten uh, Penn State. So Harbaugh is such a Michigan is so inconsistent, guys. I... He's actually pretty consistent. He just loses to Michigan State and he loses to uh, Ohio State all the time. <laughs> the two teams he has a problem with. Yeah, those are the two big rivals too. Yes, it is. I don't believe rivals. that Michigan's Michigan's more talented than Indiana. I just like they got to Talent's got to win out here. I think Michigan should should win, and I'll pick them to win. I, I think it's worth noting that both teams have only played two games this season. Indiana beat, barely beat, Penn State 36-35, and then they beat the Rutgers 37-21. Never mind you, that's not much of an accomplishment, uh, given what we saw earlier in the in the pickums and then michigan has also only played two games they beat minnesota 49 to 24 and then obviously they lost to michigan state 27 24 i'm with clayton on this one i think uh i think michigan's a better program indiana basketball season's about to come online they're gonna start caring more about basketball than football so. <laughs> It pains me to do this. It pains me. It makes me sick. I need mean, to almost go vomit. But I will pick Michigan as well. I think. I think Indiana's. Little You're a brave man. Stop! Stop! I don't want to hear that nonsense. Oh. <laughs> oh. I need to go vomit. <laughs> All right, Texas, number twenty-two, Texas versus West Virginia. Brandon, I was just off. looking at this man. Do, do I have to go first? We were we're going in an order. We're going in an order, so we're taking turns. All so, right, fine. Well, Texas has what... an eighty-one percent chance to win. They're a seven-point favorite. That gives me. Yeah, but here's the problem: West Virginia beats Baylor twenty-seven twenty-one. I'm pretty sure Texas lost to Baylor. No, they beat Baylor. Baylor. They did. They did beat Baylor. Uh, okay i love my longhorns but i can't lose a lot of points here guys i gotta play catch up i'm gonna go texas but west virginia's had our number 
for quite a few seasons now. This is purely uh, this is purely sick uh, personal for me. I just hate West Virginia. Something in Texas. Wow! Don't let John Denver fans know it. West Virginia. I think this is. I think personally, Texas has to win out, or Tom Herman's going to get fired. I hope just even if they do win out, Tom Herman gets fired. Guy's a clown. <laughs> I don't know, man. He'd go eight and two or something. You can't fire someone go eight and two. Yeah. I I I think if 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 Texas has any gumption at all, they should beat West Virginia. I mean, I, I, the last coach that coached at West Virginia left for University of Houston. Okay. So obviously West Virginia is not a dream job or school. I think Texas should roll West Virginia pretty handily. I'm going to, I would think. So Texas. So I'm up next on this one, Oklahoma state versus Kansas state. So Kansas state just got slaughtered by, uh, by West Virginia. They also had that early season loss to Arkansas state, but before yesterday, they were like number one or number two in the big 12. So they were number two behind Oklahoma state. So, um, and then Oklahoma State now has lost. So I'm I, Kansas State is so up and down, but I'm just going to go with Oklahoma Where, State. Who's home? Kansas State is home. It's at Manhattan. That's uh, hard to win in Manhattan, man. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's probably the right thing. They're going to be pretty sour after that loss to Texas. They're going to come out and win. I'll say OSU as well. Uh, ditto, Oklahoma State. Oh, e. All right. Clay, and you're up first on this one. Well, of course you are. Texas A&M versus South Carolina. Are you kidding? At South Carolina. We're not losing to the Gamecocks. Giga Maggies all the way. I'm going to take them to. Going to the college football playoff to lose to Clemson or Alabama. Brandon, are you going to take them or are you going to? Go Gamecocks, man. I'm just kidding. Aggies. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Aggies. South Carolina's already had their upside win for the year, so can't can't count them anymore. It's true. <laughs> they beat Auburn, they're done. So. South Carolina beat Auburn, and then Auburn just absolutely annihilated LSU. It's a weird season so far. All right, so Brandon, you're up first on this one. Oregon versus Stanford. First Pac-12 game. Uh, college game day will be at this game, I believe. So Oregon <sighs> is the home team. Oregon is 11.5 point favorite. Sure, I'll go with Oregon. Go Ducks. Clayton? You know, I have no idea. I don't I don't watch football west of Texas, right? <laughs> um I guess Oregon. I don't I mean Stanford's been good in the past, but last year they had a bad year. What's their worst year under David Shaw? I gotta go with Oregon, especially they're at home, right? Yeah, you gotta yes. go with Oregon. That's a tough place to play. I'll go with Oregon just because they're at home, and I really have no clue. All right, last two games, two top ten matchups: number eight Florida versus number five Georgia. Georgia is a four and a half point favorite. It's in a neutral site at Jacksonville. Ooh, who's first on this one? Um, who went first last time? Clean or no? I did. You did. So it's me. I'm up first in this one. I'm going to go with Georgia. Georgia's been shaky, but I just think they're going to be motivated. But, actually, I don't know. Florida's had like a couple weeks off because of the COVID things. So they've had time to prepare for this game. Oh, 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 oh. 
Also, there's one thing that I'm not sure about. Florida and Missouri, I saw this on TV. They got in a big fight. Nasty fight, yes. Very nasty. So there could be some suspensions coming down. I'm going to I'm gonna stick it. My gut said Georgia. I'm just going to go with Georgia. Walk in. Finally. Pull me down for the Bulldogs. I'll do it. Oh, man. I don't know. I, Clayton, I, Clayton's having to evaluate how much money he has to spend to tip this game. <laughs> As an Aggie, I want Florida to win because that's our best win so far. But I don't think they will. So I'm going to go with Georgia, but I'll probably be rooting for Florida. Should I go with Florida just to just to spite you guys? Yeah, you should. You should. should. Yeah, let them go for Florida. In fact, why don't you go back? Why don't you go back and root (laughs) for uh, West Virginia, too? (laughs) <laughs> you really think you, you do you really support texas come on you don't Clayton, final answer georgia florida i'm gonna go with florida i'm, I'm changing I'll, I'll regret this because i georgia's probably gonna win but florida florida is a good team they have that sick tight end tri, uh pits oh i pits. hope he's okay how sick is he well like he's good i'm being funny I'm a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, COVID. <laughs> a bunch of players did. I don't know if he had them, but one of them, a bunch of them did. We can't all pick the same game, same team. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Clemson versus Notre Dame. No Trevor Lawrence. He's ruled out. It's He's not been ruled out. He's not playing. He will not pass COVID protocols in time. Mm-hmm. Who's first? Me. Uh, you are Clayton. Um. I- it's going to be dicey without Trevor Lawrence, but I, I still think Clemson's going to find a way. I'm going to go with Clemson. I'm going with Notre Dame. I don't think they can do without Trevor. Really? Yeah. They're okay. good, but Trevor Trevor makes the ball go around. Notre Dame defense can be, uh, can be good. <clears throat> I think they can slow down them enough, and I think Notre Dame's offense will be the key in this game. Can they get the ball? Can they run the ball? Can they be consistent? That's going to be. What I want to know is why did they already call him out? Because they have certain. The ACC has certain COVID protocols that once you get it, it's very extensive, and so he won't be able to pass all the protocols in time. There's no way he can get through it. That's tough, man. That that's a season changer. Possibly that's tough. I'm still going with Clemson though. I'm just defense is good. I mean, I'm pick. I'm kind of going on a risk here, but I, I, I just think that uh, Trevor's the leader of that team, and they barely beat Boston College. I mean, come back and Notre Dame is better than Boston College. All right, put me down for Notre Dame. This is the week where we close the gap on Clayton. Y'all really are coming after me. <laughs> yeah, of course we're coming <laughs> after you, man. We're in week ten. This is week ten. We've got to come on. Don't have to any more shots. Go back we, and change the pit. <laughs> we differed on three games, and you both, pansies, just <laughs> the same team on every you game. Pansy. Good grief. We're doing the brave thing thought. here. We're doing a brave thing here, Clayton. <laughs> Watch all. If I win all of them, you're going to be really mad, though. <laughs> no, dude. If, I, if you win all of them, I'm done doing pickums. <laughs> I guarantee you next week the podcast will be entertaining. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the, the fun of it. Yeah, it so. is. All 
All right, so we'll move into some broad NFL discussion. Um, just obviously my Bucks are playing tomorrow night. Just a quick thing, though, we've been talking this Brady-Belichick dynamic. The, pa- the Patriots are 2-5 and five this season, lost the Bills for the first time in eight games. Um, that ain't Belichick's so. fault, though. But Cam Newton is – he looked good the first two games, and now he looks like – I mean, bad, bad, bad. Have y'all been watching Cam Newton, man? Oh, it's hard to watch. I haven't been, honestly. I haven't. Been, so I haven't. Well, I haven't watched, but you know, just the highlights are bad. I mean, he, yeah, I have. Yeah, they don't. He's not playing well, from what I. I haven't watched a lot of Patriots. I watched. I watched two, and the two I saw were the one the first week, and then the last. The last I just don't keep your friends blame Belichick, but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's 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 room to talk. I don't know if it's actually true or not, but there's some. I mean, the Bucs are number one, the NFC South, playing the Saints, you know. Belichick's got his deal with AFC North, which is a much easier division. So, so you ready to call Bucks in the Super Bowl yet or no? Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> no, I'm not going there. That's you, Clay. You predict them to get to the – I think I don't know if you predict them to get there or win. I think you said win. I'll have to go back and listen. I have it written down somewhere. But, but is it so. really crazy to think that? I mean, they look pretty good. We'll see. They play the Giants tomorrow. They should. I want to see a dominant performance tomorrow. That'll make me feel better. Tua won in his first game as a starter, so that was interesting. No, that's it's the Dolphins, right? Game. The Dolphins, correct. Yep. Over the Rams. I just feel so bad for Ryan Fitzpatrick, man. It's magic. It's magic. It's it Fitzpatrick. Like it just. What a terrible way to be treated. The guy was playing well. <laughs> he actually was. He actually was. Just, and people like him. And the teammates like him. I mean, it's a pretty I nasty just, deal. I, I know football, you know, the NFL is not a loyalty business. It just seems so wrong. Fitzpatrick is just, <sighs> I'm sour about that. I'm happy for Tua's win, but could have been Fitzpatrick's win too. Where did Fitzpatrick go to college? Uh, Yale or Harvard? Oh, he's Ivy like a, he's an Ivy League dude. Okay. Yeah, you know he's really smart. I think he I I, I don't know about this. He has one. He this is the most accurate. He has one of the highest scores in the Wonder League. Really? Yeah. Interesting. He went to Harvard. So. Wow. You know, that's pretty cool to have a guy that went to Harvard be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Can I just say that? Like, that's incredible. That is a son of a gun right there. And his Wonderlook score was a 48, which is the third highest recorded in NFL history. Wow. I did not know that. That is incredible to me. Brent, do you have anything to say about your Cowboys? Or can we move on? It's up to you. No, we can move on. There's nothing to okay. talk about there. Come on. Okay. Check in. Put a, put a pin in it. We'll talk about it next season. <laughs> next season. <laughs> okay. I'm already right. to that point. You guys should be too. <laughs> they could st- – like if they win this game that's on right now, they're in first place again. No, but that's not a credit to the Cowboys. That's a discredit to the NFC East. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that, but – All right, so let's get into our election discussion. We've got some some oh, racists yes. to talk about. So two more days. Some racists to talk about. Oh, some yeah. races. Oh, Senate some races. <laughs> yes, some, some, some campaigns. And which races are we talking about? <laughs> no races. Races. 
matchups, whatever you want to call them, not that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, these are some that I found. If you guys want to add any, you can just add them at the end. But I think these are the kind of either notable ones or ones that we kind of talked about on the podcast. So I kind of added those in there. So Tuberville versus Jones. Jones is the incumbent. The star, you guys can see this, edit this out. The star is the incumbent. Just to so, be clear, Jones Jones is the guy that was elected to replace um, Sessions. He beat the pervert. Sessions. No, 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 you know, yeah, he beat the pervert. Yeah, yeah. The guy Roy Moore, the, he beat the pervert. Yeah. Sessions didn't even win the primary. Trump battered yeah, him yeah. so much. So wait, yeah, Tuber, Tuberville is the incumbent? No, Tuberville, Tuberville, Tommy Tuberville is the Tuberville. is the uh, um, Republican challenger. 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 Yeah. I, mean, let, I mean, yeah, I guess you can run them out like that. Yeah, here, do do your thing real quick. I'll I'll help you in a second here. Um, yeah, this is this is Alabama guys. Uh, Doug Jones ran because he literally won against a pervert, <laughs> like. <laughs> I don't want to say pedophile. That's a little harsh, possibly, but he definitely ran against. Well, is he having sexual relations with people underage? Because if he was, that makes him a pedophile. I'm not it's, sure about that. I don't, it's I know. it's uh, arguable, I guess. He was dating girls that were underage. I didn't know that. <laughs> right? I don't know. Yeah, I I can't remember. I just know he was a bad dude. So. <laughs> So I mean, even uh, Alabama has some morals, I guess. Tuberville uh, was the former Auburn football coach. He's going to win. Like, okay. yeah. I mean, this is Alabama. Uh, Jones. The only reason he won is because like more Roy Morris trash. You know, this he, is... and, uh, it was a close election, even with all that. So I right, don't... right, right. Yeah, I no. just want to throw this out there. This is a side topic, I guess, but maybe we can talk about it next time. But can you be a college football coach in this climate and be a conservative? Or I guess maybe a Trump supporter? Because like Mike Lee having a heck of a time at Mississippi State. And then you had the Mike Gundy Oklahoma State thing where he got in trouble. And you know, I'm just throwing it out there because Tubber. I don't know. I think Nick Saban runs a little conservative and nobody says anything about him. So I don't know. I think it just depends on your what you say. It depends how obnoxious you are about it. OEN sweatshirts and MAGA caps to practice. (laughs) That would be a problem, probably. Yeah. So, Brandon, you going with Mr. Tuberville? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Next up is a juicy one Martha McSally versus Mark Kelly. I've got a little thing here. Give me just a second. Uh, some polling. Mark Kelly was up more. He's currently the, R- the RCP average is plus 5.8 as of today. I think McSally's done. I think Kelly's going to win. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, Kelly, Kelly is the husband of uh, former Senator Gabby Giffords or Congressman. Congressman, yep. Yep. Congresswoman Gabby Gifford, I think they're largely light connected in the state. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They've got name recognition. So, <laughs> and he's an astronaut too, right? Correct. He's a former astronaut. Yep. But Buzz Aldrin supported uh, Martha McSally. Who's your juicy at all? <laughs> Can I just say that this is I think I think Kelly will win also. But I think Trump has single handedly turned this state purple or blue. 
because Arizona has always been a red state. Well, guess what? When you go after John McCain for four years, yeah, yeah, that that's your danger. He's so not a hero. He didn't serve honorably. You know, he's this. He's that. Not. I don't like John McCain. And go after the dead man. Like he's still going after the guy's dead. And yeah, Arizona striking back. Arizona. Well, I think the demographic of I think the the electorate of Arizona has also changed. I mean, it's always been I, kind of going. You know, I agree, forward. but I'm just saying John McCain's like a hero in Arizona. Yeah, and they've been. He's been. I'm going, looking. Was Jeff I'm Flake beloved in, in that state? Jeff Flake. I think yeah. he was pretty well liked. I well, Trump went after hard after him too. So I'm just. I'm just. He he did well, and I think Jeff Jeff Flake rather than get run out in a bad uh, election at result he just decided he wasn't running it i think the numbers were clear he wasn't going to get reelected. okay or at least he <clears> wasn't <throat> going to win the republican primary yeah yeah that's what you do no i'm when you retire put, yeah so yeah, <laughs> yeah put, put me down for kelly for sure you, right. him going after john mccain is going to backfire big time he's going to lose I, uh, this is this is for later but i think trump's going to lose arizona We'll get there. We'll get there. Hold those picks. Hold those picks. All right. Sorry. Garden, Gardner, Colorado. Uh, Gardner is the incumbent, Republican incumbent versus Hickenlooper. Uh, the, it's Hickenlooper, guys. The Republican Party stopped giving Gardner money because they realized it's a lost cause. So I'm going yeah. with Hickenlooper. Well, in five, 538, which is pretty good, they aggregate a lot of uh, highly rated polling agencies to get to averages. And Hickenlooper has an 85% chance of winning versus Gardner's 15. Yes. I've got their I've got their thing up too. Legalized <laughs> marijuana nice. it tends to become a more liberal state. So I mean I think Republicans are done in Colorado. But, that means right. taking Looper. I'm picking him yeah. Looper. I'm just yeah. saying this, this one is interesting. So and I'll I'll save my Georgia juice for just a little Ooh. bit. But Purdue versus um Ossoff. He's he's been a challenger in other races in, in Georgia as well. Been he's never won, but has come close, and he's close in this one as well. Purdue is a loyal Trump supporter. Uh, President Trump actually said he was one of his favorite senators. So that's Purdue. The RCP has it as Ossoff plus one, but certainly within the margin of error. So, yeah. What do you guys think? I mean, are we allowed to say we just think it's a toss up? I think we had to pick them. You gotta, you've got to go one way or the other. Okay, I'll say Purdue, just given that Georgia's historical lean has been to the right, and uh, Purdue's been in place for a while. But I, I do think anyone, anyone who watched, I, I think it's worth noting they had a debate, a broadcasted debate uh, a few nights ago, and Ossoff eviscerated Purdue. Yeah. Uh, quite handedly, uh, such that Purdue did not agree to a second debate or to a final debate. Um, I don't know how the people of Georgia are responding to that. You know, if, if I had more insight or a, a sense of the temperature of, of what I think is a, a abysmal debate performance and then, you know, backing out of a second debate, if I could sense what Georgians were feeling about that, I might say Ossoff, but, or Ossoff, but I, I'm going to say Purdue just because it's Georgia, man. It's the South. He's been there a while. He's the incumbent. All those things. Yeah. 
I think it'll be extremely close, but I'm going to go with Purdue as well. All right. Next one is Kelly Loeffler versus uh, the Democratic chart, uh, challenger of Warnock. Uh, Warnock's going to win. Kelly Loeffler. So this one's a little weird. So it's not happening until January 5th. It's a special election. Uh, technically, there's going to be a primary. Kelly Loeffler, that was beating Doug Collins, and Doug Collins is a, a congressman in Georgia which is really surprising to me because Doug Collins seems to be in a Republican circle really well respected. So I'm surprised Kelly Waffer is not, but she's well connected with the governor. So it's Georgia. Um, so, you know, I don't know say how to go, but I think there's some insider playing there and Kelly Waffer is really good at insider playing since she got um, caught selling insider stuff when the coronavirus hit based off her position. So I, if, if it's her, Warnock's got it easy in the bag, and the and the politics average shows that he's up double digits on her. So, which is also surprising why she would win off in a in a special. But that's what we got. What state is this one? Georgia as well. It's Georgia one. I think that's what they're calling it. And they're Georgia two. It's hmm. you don't see their names like on the RCP because technically yeah, she hasn't been elected. Yeah, yeah, I'll go but, Warnock. I mean, he's up. The latest ones plus 15 plus 12 plus 12 plus 19 plus, oh, 19, that's, plus 13. <laughs> so that's exactly that's what Purdue got uh, skewered with, but from Osoff is that you know you <laughs> you went no, and made but I don't think it's investments. I don't think you're reading it right, Andrew. I think that's with because Georgia puts all the candidates on the ballot, then there's going to be a runoff. Right? Oh, that they're putting all of them on the ballot. Is that uh, I might be wrong. It's, I thought maybe. there was a primary, so I don't. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I'm gonna go with Leffler, anyways. But I'm just saying. You are? I, wow. Because they have, they're gonna have Doug. They're gonna have four. I think Georgia does it funky, but I could be wrong. We'll have to look at that later. I've got a start, so we can address that at another point as well. Um, as I said, it was weird. Not, it's a special. This one is really, really interesting. Uh, Senator Ernst, she's the Republican incumbents versus uh, Ms. Greenfield, Democratic challenger. Uh, Ms. Ernst did really well the last time because she knew about something particular farming, but this time they had a debate and she did not know the price of a soybean, which is not, does not go well over for uh, Iowans. She's in a very, very close race. Uh, at one point she was trailing, but I looked at it earlier today and it's all over the place. The RCP average has her up plus point five <laughs> i think she'll win though i think she will win that's they're putting a lot of money the republicans are putting a lot of money into that race so i think she'll win that one. yeah and i think i was leaning to trump i'll go with it even though yeah i, I remember seeing and it wasn't even it was is the moderator asking a simple question. I, yeah. I remember watching the footage of that and just like, oh my gosh. And only in Iowa would that be like a huge deal, you know? Yeah. Cut the mic. That's kind well, of a just gotcha like when they're question. asking about commodity prices, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I don't think that's, most politicians would know what to say here. That's kind of a gotcha question. I actually really like uh, Joni Ernst. I'm going to, I think she's going to win. She, she has been one of those Republicans that hasn't totally sucked up to Trump, I don't think. But um, I, I, I tend to like her. She had that ad a couple of years ago where she said, I castrated hogs. 
yes. Okay, yes. I castrated pigs and I want to be your senator. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. So I, I, Brian, I put this one on here just for you. But Mitch McConnell versus Thanks. Amy McGrath. I don't know why. I, I think McConnell's going to win. Does anybody disagree with that? Yeah, said why. Okay. Yeah, he's oh. going to win. Return of the Turtle. <laughs> All right, this is an interesting one. Oh, you can say I was in the Senate. Obstruction, obstruction. Mitch, we have a constitutional duty to be a prick. <laughs> that was a pretty good impression. All right. Well, um, Senator Collins in Maine is the incumbent. Very well liked, however, you know, very much a big challenge uh, against her competitor. I don't know what her first name, but we'll go uh, Miss Gideon. I think Miss Collins is out, which is crazy because I would if you um, RCP does like averages of their previous races. Her in 2014, Susan Collins won plus 37. And in 2008, she won plus 23. And now she's a, the RCP ranking is listing as a toss up, but all the latest polls that they have for the last week, or actually, I guess it's the last, there's not actually that many polls. There's the Emerson poll and the Colby College poll. She's Gideon's up plus six, plus four, and the margin of error is 3.9 and 3.3. So she's out of the margin of error on both of those. I don't think Susan Collins will make it. No, she, she might be done. I'm going Colin, or I'm um, sorry, Gideon. Gideon, Sarah, her name is Sarah Gideon. So, Clayton? I, I, this is another one I like. I kind of like Susan Collins. She, she's gotten a bad rap because of the Kavanaugh deal, but, because uh, she voted for Kavanaugh, and it's like the liberals came after her. Um, you know, I think if there could be an upset, it would be a Collins win, but I don't think it's likely. I think Trump's just brought down the GOP too far in Maine, so I think Gideon's going to win. But I, I, I think she's going to win, but I wouldn't be too shocked if Collins pulled it out somehow. They say she's very, very, very well liked in Maine, Susan Collins is. So it's just the tide. Like your personality. Too- the tide's too blue right now to be in a, a northeastern Republican. So this next one I was surprised was a was a battleground, but it is. So it's a Montana race. Let me get that one pulled up. It's going to be uh, Steve Dane, the Republican incumbent, against Steve Bullock. Um, RCP has it as toss-up. Um, the MSU Billings poll was the most latest poll out. Bullock was up plus one, obviously within the margin of error. The last three polls have all been within the margin of error. The last four, the fourth one was a tie. So um, this one's pretty close as well. But I think I think Steve Daines will win. That's my prediction. Well, I think Steve's going to win. So <laughs> coming down for Steve. No way I lose if I Bullock pick Steve. is the former governor of Montana. So he's been elected statewide before, but. I just think the red states are going to get redder and the blue states are going to get bluer and the ones in the middle are going to go back and forth. I meant to, Montana's solidly red. I think Danes will win. Brandon? Yeah. I'm going with the group on this one. All right. This is a, this is a tough race. Uh, Senator Tillis versus uh, what's his, I don't remember his uncle is up to. It's a toss up for sure. Cunningham. Let's get his, uh, the Tom Tillis, Senator Tom Tillis, and Cal Cunningham. 
Um, Cunningham, also the RCP average has Cunningham up plus uh, two and a half as the ranking as a toss up. Um, last most recent polls, all from the 23rd or later, have uh, Cunningham winning, but they're all within the margin of error. So, I'm going down. Mm. I'm going to go with Cunningham. Tom Tillis is kind of a doofus. At least he looks that way on TV. Yeah, put me down for Cunningham. Same reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to go with Tillis just to buck the trend. So. Oh, no. <laughs> now we have a division. <laughs> now we have a division. So, all right. Last but not least, this one's really not that exciting. I, I'm, I'm really sad about the main thing. Why can't we have moderate politicians? anymore i think i hope susan collins ruins on yeah anyways lindsey graham beat his challenger mr harrison oh yeah lindsey graham he's gonna win yeah i think he will he's a he needs to work though i I've, I've never seen anybody flail all around the all around the political spectrum to get votes that guy is you can't hardly trust him begging um, and pleading so our Senate predictions are kind of pretty much told, I think, in this one. We're all predicting the Democrats will take the Senate based off of our... Yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm a tad worried about it, honestly. I say that as, a, as someone who voted for Biden because I, I really don't want him to have a Democratic Senate, but I think it's going to happen. Yeah, well, and that's I the thing. See. I think according, according to 538, in terms of all the analysis and polling they've done, it's a 76% chance that Democrats will take control of the Senate. And some of that's by nature of how many seats are up for grabs this time, right? Like the Republicans, I think, have 27 and Democrats have 13. And then yeah. in the midterms, it's, it's again, it's more Republican than Democratic seats that are up. I mean, but that's by nature, like when you have more seats, you end up having to defend them anyways and uh, yeah that top on 530 as well like it, it says uh they've run all these different projections and, and out of 100 scenarios 24 and 24 scenarios do republicans win and out of, and out of that same hundred obviously 76 democrats win and most of the averages fall 80 percent of the outcomes fall within 52 republicans or 55 democrats so Wow. And they only have to get, I mean, if, if Biden wins the election, guys, it's only, you only have to get a 50-50 split. Right. And, and So if or, Tillis wins, does that mean that the GOP keeps the Senate? No. I mean, McSally's out. McSally's Gardner's out. out and uh, who were some of the other definites on all this? Collins is probably out, but I'm, I'm, I'm still good. I'm still putting up hope that she could she could somehow eke it out. So that's the tie. That's the tie right there. And they're not going to win every other race. They're not going to win Dane's, Georgia, North Carolina. I mean, I just I'd be shocked if they won every other race. I mean, their margin of error is three races, and they're not going to they're going to lose more than three races, just yeah, based off of numbers statistics. So I mean, if they lost one more and they did they they did a lot, they still lose the control. So. Um, Sorry, so other notable races so brandon put this one on there for you matt gates versus Ur. Ur is a retired mm -hmm. uh, navy commander there is no polling on this race like i searched for a while really any polling yeah 
there's a favorability there's some the er puts out a memo about there's some poll that says that gates is underperforming in this in this region because trump's up 55 and he only has like a 40 percent of favorability rating i could not find any legitimate poll. i mean gates like, is gates's congressional district is one of the trumpiest areas of florida per yes. my understanding I, yeah yes it is and but but er is a a rechanged republican and he's a navy commander pensacola is very heavy military uh as well so if, if there's truth to that we'll put it on here and we'll see who wins i mean that's really where it's going to be i don't have any and gates is a they clown are, they let's, are very red though very very red so yeah let's call it spade a spade gates is a clown he doesn't let's, deserve to be uh, real i just want to so like there are clowns, don't get me wrong. Susan, you know, I'm just saying some of these people are not clowns. Like Susan Collins, it's going to be a shame if she goes down, in my opinion, with the, with the I agree. Um, Someone like Cory Gardner is, uh, even though Hickenlooper is a good candidate, he was a governor, but Cory Gardner is a good person. There are some good Republican senators. Of course there are that are going to lose this time because of Trump. And it's sad. I mean, Susan Collins is not a, it's not a Trump person at all. Like she's probably the farthest person from, from Trumpism that there is in the Senate. And she's going to lose because of it, most likely. It's just, part of this is just well, You can't blame it all. I mean, Maine is not exactly a, a conservative stronghold. I mean, it's, it's pretty moderate. Well, you just said she won by 30 points or something. Well, that's true. Yeah. I mean, and again, corner numbers, she did. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess I'm making myself look foolish there. But, but I mean, it's you're right. Like, I, I, mean, think, I, think for, I think for centrist Republicans that have tried to walk the line, be, be part of the party, but also adhere to a centrist, like, you, you can't. This is the problem when you put somebody so polarizing into the White House. Like you, you have to draw lines and lines have to be crossed. And yeah. it may be that in the view of the the populace of, of Maine that Susan Collins crossed too many lines in the name of remaining Republican. And yeah, that, I, I know. I know what you that mean. might cost her. Yeah. And you're right. It's, it's just, unfortunate. To me, because it's just we kind need, of sad. We need more, we need more uh, centrist. Republican and Democrat uh, senators like Susan. Yeah, Collins we need more. And, and we less... need more Joe Liebermans. We need more Mitt Romneys. We need more Susan Collins and, and, and less Mitch McConnell's. <laughs> Joe Manchin's people that are you know not every. I just the Senate should not be so partisan. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, these next two races are Florida races. Scott Franklin is there. So the Republican is the incumbent and he lost the primary so his name is ross spano so scott franklin is a republican and cone i just put on there for me I'll, I'll talk about it next week um it's an interesting race it's one that democrats are hoping to flip because spano lost the uh lost the primary so we'll see but it's a pretty conservative area. it can be a pretty conservative area, i should say so we'll see um charlie chris the former governor of florida is running for re-election over this Miss Paulina, Paulina, Anna Paulina Luna, and it's it's oh, the commercials on TV are nauseating. It's like every day you've got something between the two of them. Um, I think Charlie's going to win. There's one poll, a St. Pete Times poll, 
which this is what I'll get to in a second when we talk about Florida. But just remember, Charlie Chris is up 14 and a half points in that poll. So, well, but I'll come back to that why I think that's important in a second. The other race I have on here is Jeff Van Drew. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him, but he's a New Jersey congressman that was a Democrat, but now is a Republican. Uh, he supports Trump. So we'll see how he does. And uh, I'll are just put you, that on there. Are, who's your congressman? Uh, so mine is Vern Buchanan versus Margaret Good. Um, okay, and I'm from, I thought Charlie Chris was your congressman. No, he's not. He's in he's in St. Pete in Pinellas County, um, and that's where a bunch of old people live. Which is funny because Miss Paulina is doing very well with the older people, but that's the only demographic she's doing well in. So, um, so we'll see. It's an interesting race. But no, is Vern Buchanan DeSantis up for a re-election? This no, election 2022. Cycle? No, 2022. Mm -hmm. They're in the off year between the president. So every two years, we'd always get a major election. So um, do you guys have any races you want to add to, to track? And then there's ones I just had. So mine, mine right now is Troy Niels versus Cole Carney. And it's rated as a toss-up. And this is, this is one of these suburban races that is going to be very telling i think we we this is exactly the kind of scenario that that trump is in trouble with the suburban women and suburban just area is is he going to bring down the republican the republican congressman is retiring so it's an open seat and it's competitive for the first time in a long time and it's been a republic. This is Tom Delay, his old old house seat. If okay. you remember him, he was the party yeah, leader. This could go to the Democrats this time, so I think it's kind of a fascinating race. So we'll track that, see how that goes next week. 